0: Welcome aboard Toronto Today with Jim Taddy until 1 o'clock. Then it's the Scott MacArthur Show with Andy McNamara, who will be obnoxious today. Yeah, the Browns won in preseason football. Ooh, that's big stuff for a Browns fan. Uh, Just to sort of flesh out the Kevin Kisner has the lead at the PGA Championship. He started on the back nine, so birdie on 10, birdie on 11, par 12, birdie on 13, par 14, Birdie on 15, par 16, so he's on the 17th hole, which is, let's do some math here, the 8th hole of his front 9. You can watch all this stuff right now on TSN, and you can listen on the weekend if you're driving around on TSN 1050. And uh, keep updated on the final major of the season. Uh, where's Tiger? Well, he tees off at 148. Uh, Gary Woodland is uh, even through seven holes and sits at six under. So Kisner has the lead and he sits at seven under, courtesy of four round or four under start to his front nine, which is the back nine of the course. I know it gets confusing, but they straighten it all out in the weekend. Coming up in the broadcast, what are we going to do here? 11:20, Milt Stegall from the CFL on TSN. And uh, he'll be here to talk about last night's B.C. Uh, rally and uh, also what lies ahead tonight and uh, tomorrow night with Johnny Manziel starting against Ottawa tonight. It's Hamilton in Winnipeg. Uh, going to talk about some Leafs stuff. Uh, cadre, we have some Kadri sound here uh, going over his situation. And uh, we will talk about uh, Nylander. In fact, we have a poll out now. And the poll reads, what type of contract are you hoping the Leafs sign Nylander to? Uh, Bridge deal or long-term deal? That's interesting. I'm going to go for the bridge deal, and I think it benefits both just because he will realize or he will mature over the course of that two-year contract, if that's what they do, and walk into more money. And I just think that it's probably, I think it would benefit the team, obviously, because you you could do Austin Matthews and Marner first and then him, and uh, and that all works out. Or if you did it long-term, then I'm sure they'll fit it all in. I just don't like the long-term commitment now. That's Of course, that's me. I could be wrong. Uh, you have your opinion, so go to at TSN 1050 Radio and uh, do your uh, voting, and we'll keep you posted on that. I want to sort of wrap up the uh, poll I had yesterday about the uh, Blue Jay rebuild, and we had a... Pretty good response to it. So, uh, you are excited for the Jays rebuild. 58% yes guy, 42% no guy. So, almost a split. Almost a split. Uh, Later on in the broadcast, we'll have Mark Sacchino from Golf Talk Canada and PGA Tour Radio. And that'll be about 1220. Uh, We have summertime yes guy, no guy, uh, which is the sanctioned edition at 12 noon. And a 1240 day fest check from the Toronto Star. Uh, You know, just getting over the uh, the Sergio dip stuff. I mean, you know, yesterday I was I was ambushed. I I hate to say it, but I was ambushed. You know, I was given this material. And as I'm as I'm reading that there is a yes guy, no guy conference, which is a little difficult for me to process. I mean, it's, you know, intellectual theft. Is is it? I, I don't know. I'm just asking that. And so I didn't really get to look at the Sergio Depp thing, <laughs> but I did this morning, I producer Joe, you know, he's a little slow, but he eventually gets there. So I, I did this morning and I was watching it and went, oh my, he never had a clue. Oh, that's sad, network television, sideline spot, hard 30 second bit, and he never had a clue. Unfortunately, uh, we'll tell you later on, he doesn't have a clue in the uh, the sound wars either. Joe, is everything okay?
1: Yeah, it's going good so far. Oh, really? Yeah, the Sergio Dip thing just gets me every time I see it, it's, and it sucks because he was telling us that if you notice, he talks about uh, Vance Joseph and they oh, cut he,
0: him. He has no clue what's going to come out of his mouth. Right? I, I, I see the look on his face, and it's like, dude, you're on.
1: So he said to he said to like Hayes and the guys that he was actually going to talk about how Vance Joseph played quarterback, played defensive back, and that season when he became the head coach, they had a focus on changing the way the quarterback plays, changing the way the defensive formations are. So he was kind of excited to see what he could do, and instead he just said he's standing there.
0: See, what you don't have is the, uh, the knowledge of what actually goes on in the man's earpiece. Uh, and, and if that's me, if I'm the producer of, of Sergio Depp, I destroy him. As he starts fumbling, I go, really, guy, did you show up for work today? Who are you? I mean, you could destroy the guy on the air, right? I've had some pretty weird things said in my earpiece over the years. In fact, when they got silly, I, just, I used to rip it out. Just, I, I don't need to hear that.
1: Yeah, you've thrown a few pens at me while I tell you to go to break, so I can only imagine what there's
0: would a, happen. But there's a piece, th- let's, let's be honest here, there's a piece of glass, so the, the pen cannot hit you. I mean, that's so true. Don't, don't do the sympathetic thing with the listeners, that's just sad. Oh, well see, they can't see what's going on here, so I almost had them. That's just sad. Uh, my favorite earpiece thing is, uh, uh, when at Global, this was when we were at Maple Leaf Garden, so it goes back a number of years, uh, and it was a news hit, so I think I had to do the Leaf game that night, so I did my sports cast, which most people wouldn't do when they're doing a game. And then there would be a Q&A, the, the f- famous Q&A with the news anchor. And the news anchor would ask the question. And as the question's being finished, uh, somebody in the control room opens the key, which is, m- means they're opening uh, the line to me to speak to me. Except for when they do that, they obliterate the on-air sound. So I can't hear the question. And so I start to answer the question. And two words in, here's what I get, rap. I'm sorry. I just two words into the into the answer, and you're telling me to shut up. I mean, that's brutal. <laughs> Sergio Depp. I could have destroyed him. Um, I was thinking of an on-air dare, uh, just to, you know, sort of the the flip side of, of Sergio, who's sort of uh, self-inflicted wounds. And I was thinking uh, I had to do a sports cast in my early days at Global, and somebody, well, they wanted to mess with me, so they stood right beside the auto cue or the teleprompter. And if you stand right beside that thing, it's distracting. At least it could be. And in this particular case, I just looked at the individual. I got the count in my ear, three, two, one. And I looked away, and I just thought, okay, so you're going to dare me, so you want flawless. Okay, here's flawless. And boom, not a mistake. And of course, the individual slithered away, and that was the end of that routine. See the fun you could have, Joe, as a producer? I wouldn't advise you do it on this show. But maybe Monday when somebody else is here, you could destroy the, the on-air person.
1: No, it's true. And like and what do it's you mean, hard no, to, it's true? It's hard because with somebody as great as you, you don't make any oh, mistakes. God. And, you know, your phone's never on, like the sound is never up, and you never hear emails come through. <laughs> Taddy, you are a legend. It's hard to catch you off guard. <laughs> well, I, I will
0: say that if you challenge me when the mic is on, you're going to lose because I won't. I'll just look at you and go, no, it's not going to be me. It's going to be you.
1: That's true, but that's why I got Steve on my side, because he controls your mic as well. So it's a good 50-50 balance. We, it could be a great battle. So what
0: you're saying is it takes two of you yes, to battle me. Okay, that's,
1: yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. One you, I, and then... I've it, taken on
0: entire control room, well, so that's usually five or six people.
1: Well, there's you, and then there's the mustache. That thing's intimidating, so you need an really? extra guy to... Oh, yeah, that's a legendary mustache.
0: It's, it's intimidating?
1: Well, you have a full beard. Yeah, but mine's like... It's like the new age beard. Everybody has a beard. To be able to rock well, so a mustache Steve. consistently.
0: Steve. Is that is that a beard, Steve? It's a choppy beard. Yeah. Just get some pencil, it'll work out. <laughs> All right. Um, so, what happened last night with v- uh, Vladdy? Uh, excuse me while I do this. Vladdy was uh, two for four, another home run. Um, and uh, the Jays won, by the way, 8 5. So, uh, Vladdy's in Buffalo and doing well. Uh, we have, do you have your yes guy, no guy prepared? I do. Oh, that's it? You do? Do you have a topic?
1: Well, yeah, actually, it was going to be the uh, summer yes-guy-no-guy, but with a little bit of football, hockey, and some baseball, but mostly still in the summer.
0: Did you watch preseason football last night, or did you watch the CFL game?
1: I watched... Most of actually more of the CFL game than I did preseason football. I can't really care to watch preseason football. Thank you. Especially because Dallas was playing when I was watching, and I hate Dallas, so that didn't help either. But well,
0: you just know that Andy's going to be obnoxious, so you, you tend to ignore it.
1: Oh, absolutely, and not to mention that a preseason game means absolutely nothing. Last year, the Browns went four and zero in the preseason, and then went to, on to go zero and sixteen, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Do we have any early results from the poll?
1: Yes, we do. So far, the listeners are also against Jim Taddy here. They're saying they'd like to see a long-term deal for William Nylander. Really?
0: Yeah. Oh, look at that. 79 to 21. Wow. Okay. So I know, I know what everybody's doing. They want him locked up, and, and they don't have to worry about it, right?
1: I think so. If people, most fans I believe and I'm actually included in this, I'm on the long-term deal side, is that, there's a potential of William Nylander succeeding, and that's a very high potential. And in that case, what will happen is if you get him right now for a couple years of four point five five million million, you might risk having to pay him too much money or let him go. Whereas if you overspend by a million and a half or maybe two right now, in two years, it could look like an underpay. In the example of Nazim Kadri, who right now is making $5 million a year and who should be making more.
0: See, this is this is what we're reduced to. I'm sorry to say, reduced to, but this is what following professional sports is now. You have to be an accountant. You have to take into consideration all this stuff. Does that make you happy? I, I don't personally. I mean, I have to do it for the job, but I, as a fan, I don't know if I could get there.
1: It's frustrating. I I was so excited when I saw the Maple Leafs had acquired John Tavares, and a minute later, I was thinking, oh wow, how are they going to afford to keep John Tavares and all these players? And
0: after you did your own finances,
1: yeah, and it's unfair almost because. <laughs> You can't really enjoy the game anymore because of the hard cap. Whereas, at least in other sports, in basketball and baseball, you have the ability of knowing that your team can spend. They have a luxury tax. You have a little bit more freedom as a fan to just enjoy the players you have.
0: How does this work? Okay, there's my visa money. Uh, there's the car payment. There's the mortgage. Uh, there's the insurance. There's the grocery money. Here's uh, 10 bucks for fun. And uh, okay, now we've done all that. Oh, well, let's, let's talk hockey now. Oh, I, can they afford
1: them? How do you do that? It's kind of what we've been stuck with since they instituted the yeah. salary cap. It, it's been probably one of the most frustrating systems in hockey for a successful team. Well, it's a hard cap. That's that's what does it, right? You have exactly. No, no wiggle room, so that's it. And for other teams, which I've never really understood, is having the floor to kind of force teams to spend money when they even can't afford to, and then it creates this vicious cycle where teams are just always unhappy with the salary cap because it's setting limitations for teams that don't want it, and then it's also setting limitations for teams that can't even afford to use it.
0: Well, we're always going to have trouble here because hockey is traditional here, and so if the Leafs are on the same page as the Florida Panthers, I don't think that even works for either one of them because it forces Florida to spend more than they want to even though they can just hit the floor, and it forces the Leafs to rein in their expenditure when clearly the marketplace could support anything.
1: Not to mention, I feel like the salary cap, as of late, has caused something that nobody really expected, and it's created a conversation around tax brackets, and it's created a conversation around sure. areas in Thank which you. you can play to make more money. So, Thank
0: you. Where's, where's the equalizer for that?
1: There isn't. The cost
0: of living in this city is more than that, but you get to spend the same amount of money. Is that a fair cap? No.
1: And not to mention the fact that when, I remember Steven Stamco signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I believe it's at an 8.5, somewhere around their salary sure. cap. No tax. The equalization to be a Maple Leaf was $11.3 million at the time.
0: Yeah, so how is that leveling the playing field?
1: It's not. And the argument of saying, well, you're at least you're in Canada, your money goes 30% further. Well, that doesn't matter because oh. it's losing 40% <laughs> when you sign here. Buck a beer. Buck a beer. That doesn't sound like a very good option for the beers that you'll have to choose from. So, oh, (laughs) are you bitter? (laughs) As bitter as those beers will be, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's all in the packaging, right? Yeah, as long as it's got a good label, you don't look like you know,
0: we live in a headline society. You know that you're a producer, you know that
1: that's all, and, and that's all it's become lately. And to your point, I think even in this situation with William Nylander. It's the headline people are looking for. They want to make sure to find out William Nylander's at Maple Leaf for eight years because that makes them feel comfortable about that. Because if you say William Nylander signed for three years, automatically they go, oh man, what if Marner's going to be good and Matthews is already good and how much money you're going to have. Nobody has a chance to enjoy the moment because they're always looking further and they always want to punch in the face off a headline.
0: I just, I firmly believe that, you know, and, and these are good hockey players, so don't get me wrong, but I, I just believe in paying after you win something. Uh, we saw with Edmonton what happens. You, I mean, you could, you, you could sign him to a long-term deal, and, and I'm not, he's going to work out, but the question is, when you're in the, uh, the final stages of a Stanley Cup battle, when you're advancing to the Eastern Final or the Stanley Cup Final, do you have the right mix? And if you don't, then you have to trade somebody. And if there's a long-term contract there, it might not be easily done. Have to say it, sorry.
1: Do you find it interesting that in the last two generations of hockey, like pre-salary cap, post-salary cap, there's never been an ideology by general managers to pay a player when they deserve it?
0: Well, okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. Because when free agency first hit and you had to be 30, I think the first age group was 35, and then they lowered it to 30. You were, in effect, paid for what you had accomplished, not what you were going to do. Uh, Now it's the reverse of that. You have people coming out of of, uh, entry-level contracts, and they're signed for big commitment deals, and it's paid on what we think you're going to do. Yeah. Totally opposite.
1: Exactly. And at some point, it seems very interesting that no general manager has been able to set up a, a system or a structure with his players to say... I understand you're gonna have value, but right now you've incurred X amount of value. And when you get to that point, I will pay you. I promise you I will. But it's completely reversed. And Jeff O'Neill was saying once when he was younger, he'd signed his like second or third deal was like one point something million dollars a year, and he thought he was, you know, caking it, he loved it. And then a couple years later, free agency, guys that were older than him were making like five million dollars and they were busted up and they had nothing left and they were getting paid on accolades. Sure,
0: absolutely. That's the way it was.
1: And now players are getting paid on potential being hit. And like one that sticks out to me and I know he's a fantastic player, don't get me wrong, but like the price that Connor McDavid is getting paid right now is is going to hurt the Oilers long term and to me he's not better than Sidney Crosby. But yeah, he's getting paid to be a the superstar in the league.
0: Well, he is a superstar in the league, so he deserves what he gets. Uh, he's the top end. Uh, if you have one of those players, uh, it, the onus is on you to build properly around them.
1: But to your you point... Can't, you Lee, can't hang
0: the guy out to dry.
1: So, But to your point, when you have a player that's a star like that, you uh, kind of don't have an option. You can't temper his contract. You just you have can't. to pay him.
0: Well, absolutely. Are you going to nickel and dime Sidney Crosby? No. Those people are... What's the word I'm looking for? They set the bar for everybody else because they're so good. So you can't mistreat them. That, you wanna, if you want to find that, go back 40 years and you'll find that all those guys were mistreated.
1: So then in this case, and, that, and maybe is this why Nylander for you tends to be a guy you'd rather bridge because you see him as that kind well, of just star, like... Well, he's a, look, he's a good good very
0: good hockey player. Is he a great hockey player? Because maybe if he is, I want to pay him great money. But if he's not, maybe I don't want to. Uh, he hasn't defined himself yet. That's that's how I would say that, and and that's why I'm on the bridge deal. So, at TSN 1050 Radio, what type of contract are you hoping the Leafs sign? Nylander to bridge deal, long-term deal, 21% bridge deal, 79% long-term deal, 168 votes in. Please cast your ballot. Coming up next, we'll have Milt Stiegel from the CFL on TSN. This is Toronto Today with Jim Taddy, TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Welcome back. Toronto Today, TSN 1050. Jim Taddy with you until one. We were talking about Neilander's contract. Is this a comparable? Red Wing signing Dylan Larkin, five years, thirty point five million. So a cap hit of six point one. Would that work? Five years, thirty
1: million bucks? Maybe. I think so kind of works, doesn't it? I was saying 6.5 is the max out for me on a guy like Nylander.
0: At this point. But maybe two years from now, he's worth more. That's my whole point. Uh, let's talk about the CFL on TSN. Tonight, it's uh, Hamilton and Winnipeg. Uh, tomorrow night at 8, it's uh, Montreal and Ottawa. And last night, it was Edmonton and BC. BC with a great rally in the second half, 31-23. The Lions win to go to 3-4. and four. Edmonton drops to 5-3. and three. Let's bring in Milt Stegall from the CFL on TSN. Milt, welcome. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Very good, thanks. Um, I love a second-half rally. I love watching football and seeing things change. Uh, you know, this was Edmonton's game in the first half. Uh, you saw it also a week ago with Toronto in Ottawa. Great second half for the Argonauts. What goes into the comeback?
2: Well, it, it, it's just the attitude. You know, when, when you have some some guys who go out there and say, God, we have to make some adjustments, we have to make some changes, you know. Uh, that was a win that BC had to have. Not saying that would have destroyed their season, but if they dropped a two and five in the West, it's going to be tough to dig out of that hole. But the way they came out in that second half and the offense played okay, but that defense was a story. You know, they came out and they held that high-powered offense, arguably uh, the best offense in the CFL to three points and five first downs and Mike Riley couldn't get going and those big play receivers couldn't do anything. And I don't care what your defensive coordinator says to you. That's those players saying, okay, guys, we're going to go out here and make some plays and make sure we can win this game. So that was a big win for them uh, because they definitely needed
0: it. Really, there's two parts to the comeback. There's what's said in the dressing room to get everybody on side. And then there's the execution and both were, uh, you know, a plus, right?
2: Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Mark Washington, their defensive coordinator, he's been there for a while. He's been, uh, he's been a player in the CFL for a long time and a, Defensive coordinator now for numerous years. So he's seen a lot. Uh, so he made those adjustments, but those players had to go out there and execute it. And that's exactly what they did. They were really confusing. Uh, uh, Mike Riley, uh, he couldn't make his read. And the most important thing was those guys were putting pressure on him. We finally saw Sean Lemon, and Odell Willis, and those guys up front put some pressure on Mike Riley. And I don't care how great of a quarterback you are, how poised you are. When you're getting pressure in your face, when you're getting smacked in your mouth and hitting your chest numerous times, that's going to uh, allow you or force you to make some bad plays, and they capitalized off of it and made some great plays and had some great turnovers and made some interceptions, allowing their team to put, come away with that victory.
0: So I, I guess to go to the first half, Edmonton has all that success. What is, that? is that based on preparation? Obviously there's execution always involved in any analysis, but, but why did Edmonton have that lead going into the half?
2: Well, it's a combination of things. I mean, they have some playmakers. You know, They have Duke Williams, who's having a great year, Darrell Walker, C.J. Gable, and of course, Mike Riley. Uh, they executed, they did everything they needed to do. But it's like they almost came out in the second half and said, okay, we're going to keep doing what we're doing because it's working. And regardless of how much success you have, you have to make adjustments because you know the opposing team is going to make adjustments also. So I think that was part of the problem. And and sometimes things just don't go your way. You know, that's the luck of the draw. It's, it's football. Those other t- guys are getting paid to make plays. And you saw what D.C. Lions did that second half. They came out and they made some plays.
0: Well, and that's that's like a CFL calling card. It, the league has a way of evening things out, doesn't it?
2: Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Regardless of how well things are going, eventually things are going to turn the other teams away. And if you can't uh, turn that tide back your way, you saw what happened last night. You're not going to come away with the victory. So it was a great game, uh, especially for the BC Lions. The way that game ended, that second half, it was very exciting. And like you just mentioned, that's the calling card for the CFL. Uh, no lead is ever safe. You have to keep playing, keep your foot on a opposing teams' throw, because if not, They'll definitely come back and win a game like the BC Lions did yesterday.
0: So just three games this week tonight. It's Hamilton and Winnipeg, um, and I am uh, really looking at this game with a lot of anticipation, um, just because it's it's huge for both Hamilton three and four, Winnipeg four and three. Um, the offenses, if and it's a big ask, if you take Harris out, the running back obviously favors Winnipeg, but but the pass offenses are eerily similar for me. Are they for you?
2: Uh, they work they work differently. You look at BC. I mean, you look at Hamilton. Uh, and I like to call there anybody who knows about the uh, Wizard of Oz, they have a bunch of lollipop kids. It's truly amazing what they're able to do with those receivers at their stature. You talk about Saunders, you talk about Tasker, you talk about Banks. Those guys are making incredible plays. And what Winnipeg Blue Bombers do, uh, Paul Apelis, who's very innovative in his offensive calling, he has so many different parts. And if you take out Andrew Harris, they'll suffer, but I think they'll still be able to make plays because – he utilizes everyone within that offensive scheme. You look at Dembski the way he utilizes him. I call him Andrew Harris 2.0. They're moving guys all over the place. Uh, you talk about uh Adams. You talk about those other guys getting involved in that offense. So I mean, he brings in Strevler, his backup quarterback, and you don't know what he's going to do with him. So they're very high high power, but they're somewhat similar in their scheme. So it's going to be a chess match uh, between the offenses and the defenses because we have two high-powered offenses, so – I think this is going to be the most exciting game of the weekend, uh, in my opinion.
0: How would you rate their defenses?
2: Well, since the last time these two teams played, uh, Winnipeg has been playing lights out. The last time they played was basically the last time they got scorched. And of course, Matt Nichols wasn't playing in that game. But since then, Winnipeg has been playing well. Hamilton, uh, they're a little up and down. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be missing Delvin Bro tonight, their starting cornerback, who's an all-star, in my opinion. If he's out... That's going to hurt him. The linebacking core, Simone Lawrence and Dean, those guys have been playing great. So uh, if Bro is out, that's going to hurt him. But I think regardless of how these defenses play, because these offenses are so great, it's going to be a game where I think we'll have a combined score between 60 and 70
0: points. Well, let's go to the uh, the final game of the weekend. Montreal and Ottawa, 8 o'clock on Saturday night. This is Johnny Manziel's second start. Um, anybody on the CFL and TSN panel nailed it. Anybody who played football nailed it, that he was going to struggle in his first game and struggle he did. What are you expecting from him in his second game?
2: Uh, honestly, I'm expecting a drastic improvement. And I know that's not saying much. I mean, for the way he played last week, that was pretty bad. And that was somewhat expected. I don't think it was expected he was going to play that bad. Or, you know, throw four interceptions in the first quarter. But the man had been there four days. He really didn't know the offense. But now I think they're going to use his skill set uh, to his advantage. And I talked to our offensive coordinator, Kahari Jones. I know him well. We played together for five and a half years. And he's a perfect coordinator for someone like uh, uh, for Manziel. He's cool. He's calm. Uh, he doesn't get rattled about anything. So he's going to allow him to use his skill set because he's skilled – learning the CFL defenses, he's still learning that offense. So they got to somewhat allow him just to go out there and have some freelance opportunities to make plays. That's what he did when he had success uh, in college, when he had a little success with the Cleveland Browns. That's exactly what he did. So he tell, until he learns the nuances of the game, they just have to allow him to use his ability uh, and go out there and make some plays.
0: Uh, based on what you've seen, and it's not much, I mean, what kind of a track is he on? You'd look for an improvement in each game, but when does he eventually get there?
2: Well, to get there, it it, it may not even happen this year. And to get there, he may need some different parts around him. I mean, you look at this team as a whole, and they're pretty bad. Let's be honest about it. They've been bad uh, for two, three years now. They just don't have the parts there offensively, defensively, unless some guys just come out of nowhere and step up. Uh, It's going to take a lot for him to get there this year. I don't see that happening. But I can see improvement happening every single game, and that's just based on what he's going to be able to see, the training he's going to get, the teaching he's going to get. It's going to happen uh, eventually. When, I'm not sure, but like I said, I don't think it's going to happen this year because I don't think he has the parts around him. But the way he played last week, like I said, I think we'll see a drastic improvement. Will they? Will he play well enough for this team to win? Uh, if I was a betting man, I would say no. Reason being, they just don't have enough parts there to get the job done.
0: Well, and they walk into an Ottawa team that's going to be really zipped off based on the loss against the Argos, so they're going to be upset.
2: Without a doubt. But they can't allow what happened last week to affect them this week. They can't go in saying, okay, we have to redeem ourselves to what happened last week. Because you're playing against, you're still playing against professional athletes in the Montreal Alouettes. Those guys still get paid to play. They have some all-stars, former all-stars on that defense, a couple on that offense that can still make plays. So what happened last week, you can't allow that to affect you this week because I think it will hinder their performance if they start thinking about what happened last week. You leave the pass in the past, and you can control what you can control, and that's uh, tomorrow's performance.
0: You know, you have to love this league. There's Calgary at the top at 7-0, and and Montreal at the bottom at 1-6, and but everybody else has a shot, don't they?
2: Without a doubt, and, and it's good. When you only have nine teams, you want to have parity. You want to have as much parity as possible. Of course, the West is a lot stronger then the East has been that way for years. But you look at the last two great cup champions, both of the teams have come from the East. One team had a 99 record. The other team had, a, uh, I think, a 99 record also. So uh, you want that parity. Uh, it's looking like there's going to be four teams from the West in the uh, in the playoffs again. But the thing is just getting into the playoffs and so you never know what's going to happen. Calgary Stampeders, they dominated the regular season the last uh, three years, including this year. And you see the only thing they got out of it is uh two great cup losses so uh it's good to have that parity it's good to have high scoring games exciting games uh because that keeps the fans involved so hopefully that continues going on throughout the year throughout uh, the rest of the year
0: the hamilton and winnipeg game today what do you think the tsn turning point is
2: uh i'm thinking it's going to be a special teams play hmm. uh you think about the return guys you think about Fall for winnipeg blue bombers he's a great returner i'm hearing uh uh, Brandon Banks, because of injury, may be getting some returns in today. So I think a, a big return out of one of those guys, a missed field goal, punt return, kickoff return, will be the uh, turning point, the TSN turning point tonight.
0: Milt, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it.
2: Well, I, I got one problem, Jim. I know on the on, on our line it said that you were going to introduce me as a CFL analyst and also the prettiest guy in the CFL. Oh, he forgot to do that. So I just wanted to mention. It. I'm I'm hurt by that right there. Wait a minute, Mel,
0: uh, Please, please accept my apology, ladies and gentlemen. Milt no, Stiegel, it's too
2: late now. It's too no, late. no, 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 you had no It's it right it's, in front of your face. <laughs>
0: it's, never, it's never, too late, Mel. Come on, CFL and That's TSN analyst, prettiest man in football. There we go. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Milt, you are, you are really thorough. Thank you, Milt. <laughs>
2: thanks for having me on.
0: All right, prettiest man in football. There he goes, Milt Stegall. Wow, thanks, Joe. Wow, okay. Thanks for the heads up there. Um, So, uh, you know, last night uh, we had uh, the Jays winning over uh, Boston. I was going to say Baltimore, but I did, yeah, over Boston. And tonight it's Tampa at the ball yard. Uh, Coming up later on, we're going to hear from um, Kadri talking about uh, the Leaf situation. Our poll situation will go like this. Uh, What type of contract are you hoping the Leafs sign Nylander to? And it's at TSN 1050 Radio, Twenty One Bridge deals, 79% say Deal, Seventy Nine Percent Say Long Term Deal, Hundred Ninety Seven Votes In, So Plenty of Time to Get This Thing Done. And uh, as I said earlier, is this contract the comparable Detroit signing Dylan Larkin Five Years, Thirty Point Five Million a Cap Hit of Six Point One, and I think producer Joe said his top end was Six Point Five. So that's another debate point. What I mean, how far are you willing to go? We're talking about term of contract, but how far are you willing to go on the annual salary? So we'll see again at TSN 1050 radio. Uh, we're going to step out and come back with some Kadri stuff and sound wars. Sound Wars. I think I know who's going to win. We're in the final, the final category, right? The, the final of Sound Wars. It ends today. Sort of. No, it ends today. Well, I think I think next week, Tuesday, uh, this, we,
1: this this year's winner faces last year's winner.
0: Oh, okay, so why do I so, need like, to know that? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so it, it sort of ends today. Oh, the producer just came back in. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Toronto Today, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and the TSN and iHeartRadio apps.
1: The greatest moments in history are
0: now up to you.
2: This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. Yeah!
0: Well, it is 1139 on Toronto Today. Time now for the 2018 Championship Sound Wars Battle. Representing the Jerry Conference, it's seed number three, Poem for Shirelli.
1: Mr. Peter Shirelli in Edmonton, I have a poem for you. It goes something like this. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, you're not winning the f- lottery. And if by some miracle it happens, I'll personally rip that franchise out of Edmonton and ship it off to the worst city on earth. That's right, Winnipeg. You might have a second team starting next season.
0: Oh, my. Does anybody have the video of O'Dog recording that? I mean, that, that would be clickbait for sure, right?
1: Those are usually recorded like in Ninja Dust. Like he walks through, he makes a sound. Like he does the sound. He's out as quickly as he can be because it's usually done at like three fifty three. Really? Oh, just before the show. Yeah. Oh, that's classic. Steve said, "I'm generous." <laughs> that's, that's classic. O-Dog
0: right there. Walks in, bangs it off, and leaves. That's classic. All right, representing the, and this is difficult for me to say. The yes guy, no guy conference. It's seed number one, Mac Jameson.
2: Friday pre-tapes, you're into this kind of stuff. I'm so excited. I wish I was in my car, like, driving around. All right, so this is a Vegas legend. I caught up with him earlier this afternoon. Mac Jameson. Mac, what's happening? Is this Brian? This is Brian.
0: Did that just cut out? This is a joke, isn't it? I'm calling you out. I don't know who you're talking about, man. (laughs) Uh, You were my boy. We were peas and carrots two minutes ago,
2: and you just wall squat great white (laughs) sharded right in my hip. Mac Jamison. I want to hear the beginning again because I guarantee if I hear the guy's voice, I'll tell you who it is. All right. Is this Brian? This is this Brian. Is oh, this.
1: No. Hi, Brian. <laughs> oh, I quit this show.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say he got sewered. I mean, that's that's an old dog go to right? Sewered me. Uh, so go to TSN1050.ca. Click on Sound Wars. Vote for your champion. poem for Shirelli, or Mac Jameson. And I have to say, noodles was kind of lame on the voice disguising. He sounded like an older version of himself with a little shakiness, but didn't really change the tone. I know where my vote goes. How about yours? Voting for this, Sound Wars closes on Tuesday at 8 a.m. Listen to Landsberg in the morning for the 2018 champion, and then we'll start the ultimate Sound Wars championship battle, where last year's winner, they did it, Nailer, will take on this year's champ only on TSN 1050. That's another way of saying exclusive. Exclusive sound. Oh, guy, are we in a hurry? <laughs> I love when that stuff happens. Uh, so, we have some leaf stuff here. And before we get into the, the cadre sound, where is this from, Joe?
1: I believe it was from a. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. D- did, I ask, did I
0: ask you what you believe? I said, where is it from?
1: Well, it's from tsn.ca. <laughs> okay, good enough. Good enough.
0: That sounded like one of our classes at Centennial. Well, I think, no, I didn't say, what do you think? I said, what is. The situation. So Kadri from TSN.ca. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, but I, I just want to go over the, the Leafs' uh, salary chart situation. So if they signed Nylander, you're saying Joe that you would go with the, the, the Larkin deal at uh, six year Oh, sorry, five years and six point one to six point five. That's I, okay with you.
1: I would even push it further in term if I could get more term, and it has to be at six point five.
0: But but if you do that, you may have to. I'm just trying to get his age. Where is he here? Uh, you may have to... There, he's 22. He's the same age as Larkin. So if if you extend the deal, you may have to pay more in terms of the yearly salary because you're coughing up um, unrestricted free agency years, right?
1: Right. The way I look at it is I don't mind paying, overpaying the Leaf stars right now because looking at a guy like James Van Riemsday like getting $7 million in free agency and then seeing Tyler Bozak getting $5 million in free agency... And assuming the salary cap will continue to grow and inflate, a player like William Nylander in four years could be upwards of $8.5 million if he continues to trend on the way he has been. So I look at it as if if I'm paying William Nylander six, six and a half, seven at the most, I'm making sure and guaranteeing that he will never be an overpay. He'll just be at value. And I think that's what. The biggest issue is going to be for the Maple Leafs, whether you choose to, in your case, hold out and pay him when he deserves it or pay him a little early but make sure you never have to overpay. For example, like what Edmonton ended up doing, waiting on paying um, Dreisaitl.
0: Yeah. Well... You know, you could look at it this way. I mean, you know, we always talk about the money, but it's a hockey decision that that sets up the money or what you have to pay. So if you've decided that Nylander is your guy and you're going to keep him and you're going to nurture Marner and Matthews along with JT, and and those are the guys that are going to soak up your your forward's money, then that's what you do. If you don't agree with that, then you go short-term and, and you let the situation percolate or, or you move them, move them out if, if you're really drastic that way. But but it is the basic hockey decision that sets up everything else. Where do you project him? What does he mean to the team? And then you decide you know what your offer is or, or how long you want him for and how much he's worth. If you can't get to that, then you, you can't negotiate a deal. You have to move that player.
1: And for me, I project him right where he's sitting right now. He's going to ride shotgun to Austin Matthews. He has the ability of passing the puck. He has the ability to shoot. He's a great release off the boards, and he can score.
0: Yes, he can, but are you okay with how he played in the Boston series?
1: I'm not okay with how a lot of players played in the Boston series, to be honest with you. Okay, but then the other part of the
0: equation is when you're eliminated, and they've already done this, and they, they knew when it was happening, why it was going to expire, you sit in the room and you go... This has to be corrected. And then you have to correct it. You you can't go back to camp next year and saying it'll solve itself. You have to correct it.
1: Right. But I also assume that there's on every team you're going to have a player that has a different dimension and something that might be missing and something that he may have and be a positive in a different round. And William Nylander is not the type of player that takes well to being pushed around and being beaten up in the corners. He's just not a physical player. So there will be times where he won't look as great as he is But I look at the positives that he has, his ability to change the game with one shot. I think that's what makes his downfall right now and his negatives completely outweighed by the positives and his ability.
0: Yeah, there's no question. He's a star player. He will be on any team in the NHL. He happens to reside right here. So if you decide he has a deficiency and you decide he can't solve it himself, then you have to put him around people who can cover that deficiency up. Otherwise, it gets exploited, right?
1: Yeah, and that's why I thought I think we saw a lot of Zach Hyman on that line with Austin Matthews because he had the ability to grind and bang bodies, and he was a very smart hockey player when he's on the ice. And it was something that Matthews and uh, sorry Matthews and Nylander together focused so much on the offensive side of the puck that you needed somebody as a safety blanket. And on some levels, one player can't do it all. So to your point, there is times where William Nylander can be a liability, but. For the value, his ability, and his skill, I wouldn't mind overpaying him because I feel like in the long term, you'll have a better cap structure with a little bit of an overpayment now for a long-term deal.
0: Well, and if the line is Matthews, Nylander, and Marlowe, I would be fascinated to see how that performs. Uh, Because I always go back to, I don't care about the regular season, I go into the the playoffs because those are specific matchups and I want to see how that line works. And now you have Tavares behind or ahead of them, depending on how you want to stack those lines, with uh, Marner and Hyman likely. So I want to see what the effect is. And, and, you know, that's one of the ways that you get around whatever you don't like about Nylander is, well, look at the line that plays behind them. So now you have to watch both those lines, and and then it goes down to the third and fourth line. This is an intriguing setup they have. I I, like it.
1: I think so, too, because you have a... Very differentiate, yeah. You have a differentiation on the wingers in the top two lines, and it might give you a lot more versatility than it was last time. And when having Bozak, JVR, and Marner, you didn't have a lot of speed, you had minimal creativity, and you also didn't have a lot of physicality. But now you're splitting that up and adding a guy like John Tavares to play alongside Marner and then giving him Hyman. It allows to balance the top two lines because Marlowe has a lot of the characteristics that Hyman does, but he's a way better finisher. He's one of the best we've seen. And he's a very good skater and can handle being on a top line. So, to your point, I think the Maple Leafs have an opportunity now with those two lines to really balance out their offense. And when you're playing a player like Bergeron, he no longer has the ability to shut down the main key piece in the Leafs' offense because there is now a secondary huge piece And with John Tavares, and I think that's going to be the Maple Leafs' ability to choose which line is the first line that night.
0: Well, and I think if you're doing an honest and objective analysis on the Boston-Toronto series, uh, you would understand that down the middle, the Bruins were better. Were. I don't know if you would say that anymore, and and that's a a big ad for the Leafs, but you have Matthews, JT, and Kadri down the middle. We don't know who the number four is. That'll be determined in training camp, but the Kadri line, if it's Janssen and Brown... That's a I mean that third line that could that could go defense or offense. It's it's interesting. That could be if you're doing a playoff matchup, that could be the sway line because the top two could get canceled out and then you'd have to go to the Bruins third line and match it up against that if it is in fact the Bruins or whoever they play against, and that line might be the best third line in the business.
1: And to your point in when looking at thinking about the team being built for a ho- a playoff scenario, that seems like the type of third line that, you know, you remember for a very long playoff run sure. because they're fast, they're skilled, they're smart, and they have a shutdown player down the middle, which not a lot of third lines will have. And that was one of the biggest problems I think the Leafs faced is that when you have a center almost on every line that is smart defensively, they're able to help shut down the other team's offense. Well, and that's what Kadri's line could provide, especially with a guy like Connor Brown, who again is another smart hockey player, physical and he pushes pace.
0: Yeah, but I always go to chemistry, and, and so I'm, I'm never going to say that uh, you know this player didn't, wasn't good enough because they're all good enough. They're all in the NHL. But when you go to the way the Leafs were set up down the middle before, I didn't like the chemistry. There's there a lot of similarity there when you get to the second and third guys, and the fourth line was always uh, somewhat negotiable, and I think that's fair. Most people have that issue. But the way this is stacked now, I really like it down the middle, and, it, and because it's stacked down the middle, the wingers will be better. Uh, Think of Montreal's problem. No centers when you're starved to death.
1: Now, I know this might sound like a
0: stupid question. There's no stupid questions.
1: Well, you have had me as a teacher. I probably have had one or two. No, I don't think so. Wow. Do you think the Maple Leafs could benefit from minimizing their fourth line in general because of the powerhouse that they have in their top three centers? Like, I look at the fourth line, and I look at the Maple Leafs now, and to me, I think of the way... A team used to be run in the early 2000s, late 90s. Your fourth line seems a little bit unneeded. Um, I wouldn't say unneeded.
0: I think that's a, that's a bad way to describe it. Again, I always go to the setup in the playoffs. The regular season is uh, buying time. hate to say it that way, but it is true. And so what is the sway in a playoff series? Line three is a sway. Line four is a sway. And your five and six defensemen, if you got 10 to 12 minutes of flawless hockey out of them, that's a sway because everything else... All things being equal, should cancel out. The team you're playing should have two good lines, and the team you're playing should have four good defensemen. Do they have five and six? Do they have a third and fourth line? You talk to any hockey person; they'll tell you that when you get deep into the playoffs, that should be the difference. So I'm not going to I'm not going to say back off in the fourth line. But what you're saying is, if if the fourth line was, it's not going to be the same caliber. You could stack. You could play out the first three lines more. If, if need be, if you were down 3 nothing going into the third period, would you shorten your bench? Absolutely.
1: And I think that's something the Maple Leafs didn't have last year because I don't believe on any given you know week, month, that all three lines you felt as if were clicking or you felt as no, if had was, the ability to score. You felt one was going
0: to do it, and you wondered what was wrong with the other two.
1: Right, and I felt a lot of the season... in and it probably was due in part to Matthews being injured and coming on and off back from uh, this injury, but the Marner line seemed to be more of the offensive driver of the Maple Leafs this season. So I'm excited to see what the addition of John Tavares will be to a player like Mitch Marner, and if that is going to give the Matthews line even more space because when you're a defenseman, when you're lining up your top pairings, Realistically, I think you're going to line up the best you have defensively against John Tavares, and you're going to hope that Austin Matthews and company don't blow you out of the water when they're on the ice. I think you have to watch them both the same way. I mean, if you backed off one of those lines, it would kill you. But how many teams have the ability to even do that
0: well, that's defensively? Well, that's what I mean. The top two lines can be canceled out if you check them into the ice. But so you're playing, if you were playing Detroit, you would exploit the third and fourth lines, right? And if you're on home ice, you get the, uh, the last change. So that's what you would go after.
1: So then if we were to look at the depth, if we were to look at, say, the bottom six... That's the key. Are you comfortable with the Maple Leafs' bottom six uh, going into uh, the season? My,
0: my next line was going to be, as much as I like JT and what the top end does, I am absolutely thrilled to see what Janssen and Kapanen do, because those two guys, there's a lot of teams that don't have those two guys, or one of them. They, are, they have the ability, because of their skill and speed and, and the way they play, they have the ability to push themselves up higher now probably won't happen on this team or you know if, if something doesn't fire right on the first two lines uh, th- they are not third and fourth line players they, they could be much better than that and, and that's what you want in the bottom half of your roster people that push the envelope because at some point they, they can push their way up the lineup and you're never going to be
1: hurt by that that's a great thing to have and I like that you see a lot of disparity between the players you see in the bottom six of the Maple Leafs. You have speed, you have scores, you have players that are able to play well defensively, guys who like to get into the corner, but the consistency with all of them is their skating ability. Oh,
0: this is is quite a contrast to what we've been accustomed to watching over the years. Oh, it seems like a different city when we talk hockey,
1: that's for sure. (laughs)
0: No, this is fun. I mean, you have to enjoy what's going to happen next because it's a fun ride. I don't know where exactly it goes, but I think you're, I've said this before, you're talking multiple cups. Coming up next, the summertime yes guy, no guy, and apparently it's sanctioned. This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and the TSN and iHeartRadio apps.